welcome to another edition of Rahalastapa this week with the brilliant Australian comedian, actor, writer, much more. You're going to find out all about her. Felicity Ward, this was a lot of fun. One of the last remote podcasts, got a couple more to come. Um, but uh, we are back in theatres, so do watch out for those. You can still buy your tickets for the Clapham Grand gigs. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. Um, we've got uh, Johnny Vegas and Jesse Cave coming up on the 31st of May. That is a afternoon gig and uh, lots of others coming up. Hopefully David Baddiel and uh, maybe a couple of other exciting big names not yet booked for the June 7th and June 14th one. Also no such thing as a fish. Uh, and also uh, Robin Asquith on the 7th of July. 5th of July. 5th of July. Um plus to be announced aiming high with those two be announced so please support us on the theater by buying your tickets if you can thank you for supporting us by listening to our retro rahalastapas which are released on fridays with some of my favorite guests from the past a good chance for you to catch up with classic rahalastapas if you are new to the podcast or to relive stuff that happened nine to ten years ago if you're like me you'll have forgotten all about them and you can listen to them again as if they're new podcasts it's very helpful to us uh gives us more downloads but also hopefully you can use those podcasts introduce new people to them it's a great place to start and hopefully they they will will go they will then go and listen to even more good um i've got a bit of a cold sorry for my uh croaky voice so let's sit back Relax and enjoy Raha Lastapa with Felicity Ward. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who's just seen some hares in the field. It's Richard Herring. Hello. Welcome to Richard Herring's live stream terminating podcast. It's nearly the last one of these. Not quite, though, but uh, we're coming to the end of the Twitch live streaming of Raha Lastapa. I say that. I think we'll do some more, uh, but not every single week. Uh, we are doing a couple more uh, next week. It's not going to be broadcast on Twitch, though, so that's not live streamed. Uh, I'm talking to Jackie Weaver, who, do- who has the authority, doesn't have the authority, that woman. And uh, 2nd of June will be on Twitch. I'm talking to Nigel Planer from Off of the Young Ones, and I, an actor, Nicholas Craig, etc. So that's very exciting. And those will be... Uh, free and online uh, to watch live or we'll come out as podcasts shortly afterwards. But I was hanging around with Neil from The Young Ones uh, the other day and he calls it Rahalastapa Man. So I don't know if that's going to, because he's cool, right? He's cool. It's going to catch on. Um, so look, I haven't got much to talk about this week. I'm wearing, uh, my, my kids were uh, designing t-shirts. It was maths week at school. So the kids got into making some, had to go wearing maths based t-shirts and this says maths is fun that's i made this so that's my that's me <laughs> i drew this i went out wearing it because i forgot that i was going out to do my dog walk and i went out wearing this and i kind of thought oh, and a bit more my neighbors saw me and everything maths is fun that's what i put it's the, when i was at school i carved on my desk when i was 13 years old huge letters sex is fun i'd never had sex i wasn't gonna have sex for another six years <laughs> uh, and uh, i don't know how i knew that but now look at me, maths, I've changed. I've changed, man. But uh, the thing I want to talk to you was uh, about, uh, which I will talk to you about, is um, my daughter, who you'll, if you're a regular listener, you'll know, uh, has been drawing me 
week after week, me falling into lava. She did it when I was homeschooling and I insisted she drew something. She drew me falling into lava and then drew a crocodile in the lava and then I was falling into the crocodile in the lava. You remember that. She does it a lot. My son started doing it as well. My my daughter is uh, very hard to, she, to come. You know, she views me uh, with uh, disdain, I think is probably the best. She loves her mum and she says she loves me 10 and she loves her mum infinity but we had a nice weekend making <laughs> videos together and she was happy and then i came down and she'd drawn this picture which is behind me uh if you can't see that behind me it's also here uh of us together uh, and it's just us whole thing almost holding hands and smiling and it's honestly after the months and months of bullying i've had from my daughter this is the most beautiful thing it made me cry just because that's what you get someone living in your house who's essentially holding you hostage <laughs> and they treat you very meanly for months and months and months, and then one act of kindness, and you just think, this this made me happier than anything has ever made me. She also captured me incredibly well. There, that, that is an incredible depiction of me. I think you'll agree that is definitely me, and she did it very quickly. There it is. So I feel... You know, I feel we've moved on and she's, she loves me a little bit more than she did uh, before. So I just need to move that up bit by bit and somehow undermine um, my wife and <laughs> make, her, make her hate her. Right, look, um, the exciting... Well, I'll tell you some exciting statistics before we crack on. Uh, my guest is ready and waiting and occasionally laughing, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, since we've moved to Acast, I want you to know that, uh, which is only just over two years, Rahalaspa has had 22 million downloads. Imagine if you got a quid for every one of those. I tell you what, I wouldn't be fucking sitting here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, tonight on Twitch, as we start this show on Twitch, we're on exactly 499,000 views over the last year and a bit. Uh, So if a 1,000 people tune in at some point tonight, we will hit half a million views on twitch a lot of them came during um the my international men's day thing uh, last year but still that would be an amazing moment it'll either happen tonight or tomorrow during twitch of fun we are i'm going to carry on doing twitch of funds on thursday nights uh eight o'clock after this is all over as long as i can and uh, the snooker will continue in some form as well so there will still be stuff on twitch even as we go back to live stuff and Clapham Grand uh, starts up on uh, May the 24th, May the 31st, 7th of June, 14th of June, and 5th of July. You can watch it from home, live streamed, or you can come to the theatre and sit in a theatre, so socially distanced. Uh, people are, you know, being slightly reluctant to come out. So do go and buy tickets, richtony.com slash gigs. Let's move on. My guest tonight is probably best known for appearing in episode 13, series one of the one series... Australian television show, The Squiz. That's why we're here tonight. That's what we want to talk about and nothing else. Will you please welcome the amazing <laughs> Felicity Ward. Here she is. Hello. Hi. Oh, she's hello. You're frozen on my screen, oh. but it, we'll see if you catch. We'll see if that changes. We can still talk, so it doesn't. Yeah, I can. Um, I can see that I'm frozen too. But... I, I quite like it. I think uh, I quite like the idea of that I'm just talking to a picture of you. That's actually, like on the... I was laughing before, but that's how <laughs> yeah. I felt. I was just trying to make you feel better. This is very much like uh, interacting with my daughter, <laughs> just looking down on I'm, headphones. I'm looking down because I'm drawing a picture of you falling into lava. Now is the... We'll carry on. We'll carry it's, on. Uh, Chris Evans is beavering away. Let's see if I away. can stop the video and then start it again, if that will work. Okay. The old... It does. The video doesn't matter. I mean, it's only for these, you know, these Twitch fools. They Twitch, don't... Oh, it's just not coming back up now. Is that uh, the deal? Hey, I can see you. I don't know if I don't know. No, I can see you at least. That's you. 
I now can see you on Zoom, so that's something. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, oh, you know, it's Chris. Chris Evans. He always likes to play little tricks go. on. Are you back? Good. He likes to play little tricks on me when we go to the guest. He's appeared. Nothing's appeared. The corner of the room's appeared. He pretends it's not on purpose, yeah, but I, I mean, he would have to be so incompetent to, for this to happen <laughs> week after week. I prefer to believe he's doing it as a sort of passive aggressive joke on me. Maybe being... he's just trying to keep things fresh. Maybe it's work, though, isn't it? Look at us. What? Look at the look the, the bad enough. The electricity. <laughs> Uh, I've been very much looking forward to talking to you. Well, I, I think we Esther, we worked out we talked uh, on the Edinburgh Fringe podcast. I mean, we talked since then. Yeah, <laughs> I think in real life, really, uh, but, but not very much. Uh, but that was something like 2012 or something like. It was a long, long mm. time ago. Mm. Time is flying by, so uh, I don't remember much about that. So you may get some of the same questions again. Oh, you please! Never know. I would uh, but so. you may not. Uh, and I've been listening to you on podcasts, other people's podcasts today, and you're extremely good value. So I'll be disappointed oh. uh, if you are not. Look, I will tell I'll you take, this. Yeah. I, I am. I may not give you quality content, but <laughs> yeah. I give you quantity every That's, single time. All I need, Christy, is for an hour of time to be filled with noise. And as long as that happens, we fulfill. You'll be lucky duty. if you get only an hour out of me. You will okay, have well, to I'm be happy. squeezing me to get only an hour. <laughs> I did, I'm happy I, to. The amount of podcasts that I've done, they're like, it'll only take an hour of your time. And I'm like, I haven't finished. I did a podcast called Cast of All. Great concept where comedians um, create their own music festival. Oh, and yes. I have a baby and, like, all of us have been locked inside, so took it marginally too seriously, and it was a two-hour and 20-minute record. And he's like, okay, oh. and that was unpaid. This is what I will give you whatever you want. I'm Great. so happy to have a conversation with someone that I don't have to see their shit during the day. <laughs> Good. Well, but luckily I have not sent you any pictures of that which i could have done if i thought ahead i would have sent you some pictures very inconsiderate bring you bring you at home um the squiz do you remember being in this <laughs> the squiz i mean i can't believe it was only one i don't know anything about the squiz mm. it was i from the title i wasn't surprised that it was only one series long. well that's rude um yeah. it's uh <laughs> it, i actually had to think about it. i'm like what was the squiz the squiz was a sports panel show Right, I think it okay. was really funny. I had a really okay. good time. I really had a go at Ricky Ponting, though. Um, okay. And people were not happy about that. Okay. You're a big cricketer. He's a cricketer, right? I don't know that yes, much. Is Ricky sorry. Ponting is a cricketer? Yes, that was a bit of a, a sexist big... and uh, racist assumption that a white man from England would probably <laughs> know who Ricky Ponting is. Um, yeah. I know a little bit about cricket, but yeah. I don't... Is he an Aust- Is he sat in the South African Ricky Ponting? Is he Australian? He's he's Australian. He's uh, oh, is he? He's um, Tasmanian. He's as Australian oh. as they get. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so, did, did, any funny stories from the Squiz? No, just no. No, we had a good no. time, and then that was that. And then it never came yeah. back. And as I said, I couldn't actually remember what you were talking about. Well, I nearly chose because it's exciting when I choose someone who's done a lot of work that is from a different country where I won't have seen. Sometimes I can land on something that's actually a massive, massive hit, which I think I did with Bill Burr. I think I hit on something that was a, a syndicated funny. sitcom that just sounded funny to me, uh, uh, that was actually shown in the UK. I didn't know. you. I nearly went for you were the school teacher in The Librarians and also the voice of 
behind the you you were the narrator, I think, of behind the scenes of the librarians, which is that I nearly went for that. I was actually the presenter as well of the behind okay. the scenes, and right. it was very fun. And weirdly, I'm like I think of myself as very over the top. And that was the only time that I've been told to tone it down. And that was so long ago that maybe that particular acting incident, every single time I'll do something and people go, yeah, you can make it a bit bigger. I'm like, are you sure? Because I feel like a spider, like a giant spider going bum, 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 bum. That's giant spiders. That's what they look like and sound like. And so the librarians, though, was it mainly just people coming to the library and the librarians going, shh. And that was the series, or did they manage to get beyond that limitation? They surprisingly they got beyond that. It was a sitcom. Okay. It went right. for or a comedy series that went for two series, I think maybe three. Not bad. I, I don't know how to interchange series and season. Because uh, well, I you know I've, I I'm the same because I would I would naturally say series but because we've been so indoctrinated by box sets and american shows yes. season sometimes pops out yes i'm not averse so. to either of them being australian no, we take culture from both of those and well, ignore in way, our indigenous in Aus- culture in australia you sort of take the worst bits of the united kingdom and the worst bits of america and you've molded them together into one country and that's what i love about australia i like to think so thank <laughs> you it's right. a very astute observation so, did you grow up in a place called Woi Woi? Yes. Is that for real? That's the name of the Woi Woi? That is, that's not the, but I say that because it's a funny name. Yeah. Um, I grew up about 15 minutes away, but there is, there are funnier names. They're all, they're all <laughs> Aboriginal names. Of course. And it, of course. they're not funny because they're Aboriginal, but there is a, a, a town near where I grew up called Watanobi. <laughs> that's a real place. What a knobby. Yeah. I mean, again, that happens a lot in the in England where it is actually just the English language and the people of, yeah. you know, Indigenous people in the UK have called their, you know, their country Little Shifflton or something or like Tring. that. Or Tring. Really, it's not. A Tring. That's not Tring. the name of anything. Tring. <laughs> Bogner Regis. What? What yeah, are you talking so about? That, so it's not even another language. It's our own language and uh, it's still funny. And you fucked what, up, mate. <laughs> what can you eat <laughs> <laughs> he did. What can you? I'd like to know a little because is it near Sydney? Is that is it's an hour and a half north of Sydney. It's well, yeah, beautiful. I mean, it's near. Yeah, it's um. I mean, look, this is embarrassing, but the, you know, everyone's like, ah, uh, do you know someone from home and away? Do you know people from neighbours? <laughs> yes, I do. I actually do. And if you if you go to Whale Beach, which is where Home and Away is filmed, and you look across the water, that's the Central Coast. Right. So it looks like where Home and Away is filmed. Yeah. Um, but when I was growing up there, poor people lived there and rich people owned a house there. Okay. Does that make right. sense? It does, yes. It's a I holiday exactly. destination for Sydney wankers, as we called them then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's good. As a, you quoted as saying it was a railway in a titty bar wrapped in an anus, is, uh, is the quote I heard. One of my very first jokes. <laughs> one of my very first jokes ever. And oh, actually, oh shit, that wasn't supposed to be tonight, was it? Oh, so I was just thinking about a gig. <laughs> I'm doing a gig called Antique, Ro- uh, Antique Joke Show, and you have to right. do all of your first gigs, uh, all the, your first jokes from your first gig. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh, it's Wednesday. Okay, just just having. It's Wednesday today. If it's on Wednesday, it's on you might Thursdays. Need to... Okay, I don't know if it's fine. tomorrow night, but it's it's not tonight, and that's all that matters. Okay. 
my brain is just mucked. Like what? what's a day? What's, people are like, what did you do over the weekend? I'm like, what's a weekend? It's a construct. Everyone works from home and I'm self-employed. There is no... There's no I know it's been it's I'm scared to come out of it I'm scared to yeah. leave this security behind now and uh uh yeah you know it's I was just thinking that I've kind of because I've been ill this year uh I can kind of use that as an excuse not to go you know people keep on saying can you become my podcast okay sorry I've had I had cancer so I can't I can't oh, come mate, on your podcast. I didn't know you had cancer I, I'm really sorry I did. it was it wasn't too bad so it, it was uh, just, I think that that's a, probably a lie it was just, uh, you know, every night was still. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't mean to tell you what you're feeling, but that's. <laughs> it was all right. It was okay. It was uh, okay. But I can, I, I can yeah. use. A really, five out of ten. It wasn't great for one of my testicles. Yes. that That's what it wasn't good for. Yeah. But for everything else, hopefully we'll see. You know, I'm yeah, I'm not counting my chickens. There's still plenty of time for it all to come back. Uh, but uh, if it does, it's a good reason. To be, oh no, I can't come to your thing because I've uh, had had cancer. cancer. I, feel, I feel I feel fine. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yes. Yeah, sure. In fact, I've I've been getting super fit. I've been I've lost uh, like over half stone. Wow. And then not because not because of the cancer, because of me trying to get fit. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, I feel I feel as I feel in the form of my life. Wow. But I can use it as a as a fourth lockdown. You That's throw that weapon around, mate. Yeah. You yeah. do whatever you it's, need to. It's, not, it's nice to have that in it to not have to go to stuff that you don't want to do. Yeah, it's uh, it feels weird when it feels weird that things are all going to change on Monday. That people are yeah. going to go, it's fine again. I don't. I mentally, I'm not ready for that. I got asked to do a gig in July. And it's a venue I've done so many times, but it's a tiny space and the audience are basically on the stage, like it's a right. small stage. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be vaccinated by then, but I don't yeah. think that I'll be okay to stand a metre away from people looking at me going, that's not funny. I'm like, nah, I'm not, <laughs> we're not good up here yet. No, I think it will be a little time before. I have to say the Clapham Ground where I'm doing my gigs is very, very, very big. <laughs> the number of tickets we sold so far You've got a row to yourself, so <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to worry. And we're you're a long way from the stage, um, so I hope people will start to come out. But it, I noticed you do have gigs lined up on your gig guide, which is a nice thing to see. Yeah, I've, I don't know if the. I've got a few. I've got a few yeah. more that have come through too, and it's um great, a relief because Mama needs to eat. <laughs> she's she's feeding a baby. Look, we're doing we're fine like as far as things, but I have never had this little cash flow before because sure. I've had, uh, so I was pregnant and then I gave birth in November 2019. Right. Then I did something very foolish. I Well, look, I got the job of my dreams in Australia when my baby was four weeks old. five weeks old and we landed when he was eight weeks old and I started filming a TV show and that was too early to go back to work. Sure. Um, But that was like the last time I earned money that was substantial was was last February. And, um, yeah, and then the world shut down. I, was, I really thought you were going to say, I went to Australia, I was about to do, do my show, and then the world shut down. But you got the show done at least. Well, we so only got something... through two months of it and then we got uh, shot back to Australia on a last-minute emergency flight. We thought we were going to be stuck there. 
And then I had to fly back out in August without the baby, without my husband for five weeks, quarantine for two weeks, and then finish filming in three weeks. Right. So, Oh, oh, look, it has been a very hectic 18 months in every single sense. By the time the pandemic hit, I had had such a poor run of luck. I was like, this doesn't even touch the sides, to be honest. Doesn't even, I don't give a shit about a pandemic, mate. Put me inside. Fine. Fine. Obviously, I wasn't saying that come January yeah. this year. <laughs> I'm also- well, having a baby is sort of a lockdown anyway. So, you know, that, that first yeah. 18 months that you've been through yeah. is is basically, and especially for the mum, especially yeah. the mum's feeding the baby, yeah. um, is, a, is a very hectic lockdown. So that you've managed to get through a baby and a lockdown and get out and do some work is... Yeah incredible in any case but even more so and you know and the works on the other side of the world uh, is very is very impressive but uh, <laughs> uh let's talk a little bit about your origin story as a comedian because you started as a as an uh, interested in being an actor right you try mm. you uh, did you go to like drama school i went to a performing arts school for high right, school okay. for my last two years and that was it was a dream it was like I remember people used to, like, this very similar to the home and away thing. People were like, do you have, like, dance-offs at lunch? I'm like, yeah. We had, I had my own wall in the art room and I didn't do art. This is what we're talking about. It is non-stop, round-the-clock, show-off. And that yeah. is supported and encouraged and I was there on a scholarship so it was paid for by my benefits but that my parents got. <laughs> so okay. so the, the benefits that they got, like the welfare payments that they got for having kids and earning under a certain amount, I got a three-quarter scholarship and then this private school said, we'll take that, thank you. <laughs> uh, Good. But it was great. So, yeah. And then did you did did you couldn't uh, did I hear that you didn't get into drama school after that though even though you were at the first performing arts school or did you try yeah, to repeatedly get into drama didn't get in yeah repeatedly yeah. I didn't get into NIDA, which is the big one um, that's sort of the most popular one that's in Sydney I auditioned for that twice didn't make it to, didn't so you've got to learn three monologues and you do two in the morning you do one modern piece and one classical classical classic you know maybe that's why I didn't get in. Um, no, you've got to do a Shakespeare and a modern one and the third one can be whatever you want, but you have to get into the afternoon to do the third one. I didn't get into the third one twice for NIDA. I didn't do my third one for WAPA, which is Western Australian Performing Arts, uh, or VCA, which is uh, Victorian College of Arts. So four, four auditions never made it to the afternoon. I've got, I've got to go back to Whopper. I mean, that's not even an average. That's an acronym. So that's, I'm allowed to take the piss out yes, of Whopper. Yes, you are. You absolutely. Um, it's a Whopper, mate. It's a Whopper. Whopper. You can't have a drama school called Whopper. The Western Australian Academy of Performing yeah, that's Arts. Yeah, what, that's what they say afterwards, but that's. It's learning how to flip burgers. <laughs> such, a, such a dad joke just sitting there for you and you didn't take it, Richard. Is it because you're better than that? I am, I am better than that. Good for you. I, I feel like I'm bragging a bit. Um, if you have a baby in nursery or a kid in nursery, you get the rapid tests. You get two a week. So I've, we've right. just got them just sitting there. Yeah, I get. I, I've not. I've, I've been. I've been tested quite a lot over this year for various jobs. 
Uh, and I've never been, and now I'm half vaccinated, so I'm, I'm not too worried about getting. And my wife, my wife's had her first jab as well now. Yeah, I, I should get my second one pretty soon. I've, you had your first. I've had one? my first one. I also had COVID though. I, oh wow! I had it at Christmas. Yeah, we all did. It was right. bad. Just yeah. to add to an already <laughs> shitful year. Oh, and at the same day as we all started to feel flu symptoms because we were in a bubble support bubble with Chris's parents. Thank God. Um, Chris is my husband, not my son. <laughs> Chris's parents, also known as me. Um, no, uh, my husband's parents live about 10 minutes away. And so we all got, t- uh, Frankie, who was my son, was at um, nursery for about three or four weeks. And then they got COVID there. So they we had to isolate for 10 days. And then it shut down because there were so many cases of COVID. And so before we went to Chris's parents for Christmas, we're like, let's all test ourselves. So we tested, we were fine. We'd isolated from them for two weeks, um, got over there. So that was the 24th, I think, that we tested ourselves. Right. And then on Boxing Day, his, Chris's mum started to feel a bit unwell and then Chris started to feel unwell and then Chris slipped a disc <laughs> and then I the next day was like, oh, I've got a flu or something. This is bad Chris is like I can't move you've got to look after the baby Chris's mum was out and then we Chris had to go to the hospital for an MRI sorry I'm a real wriggler in a chair I probably have ADHD but I cannot bring myself to get another diagnosis it's like the list is long I can't I can't add more letters um (laughs) so we went to get a drive-through test just for something to do Sure. <laughs> just to get out of the house. Um, and he was going to hospital the next day and we all had COVID. So oh, then we had to isolate for another two weeks. I had COVID. I'd been looking after Chris, looking after the baby 24 hours. Chris was like couldn't move, was like on the floor, couldn't sit up, couldn't sit down, couldn't sit, stand. It was just like it was a horror show. It was a horror yeah. movie. And believe me, he'll have stretched that because I did with mine. I couldn't. I obviously had to stay in bed for a while after my operation. I stayed in bed another week because <laughs> I needed. To, I could have been like, oh yeah, I don't think I can. My actually, Katie wouldn't let me do anything. I, I feel I was sort of desperate to get out and do stuff. But you kind of go, yeah, I can stay in bed, watch, uh, watch ten, uh, tenuous, tenuous every afternoon. What's tenuous? What's yeah. tenuous? Tenable, it's called Tenable, that's what it's called. What's Tenable? Tenable. It's, a, it's Warwick Davis and Sally Lindsay, for some reason, both host it, not at the same time. Uh, and you have to, it's sort of like pointless, but you have to list 10 things in a list. Oh, it's why quite, am I not watching hard. that? It's quite hard because it's on at 2.30 or something in the, in the Where afternoon. Where have I been I- going? <laughs> My very full schedule of an afternoon nap with a baby. <laughs> I was going to say, because I've seen your routine about you lived with your parent parents-in-law for a while while you were trying to save up money before you got married. Yes. And you were taking the mickey out of them for having big supplies of soap and toilet paper and stuff. I bet you were wishing you had stayed with them once this was. They had everything ready. They were ready. And then, they were never were they, out of anything. Did they Did they go, oh, no, let's they do lo- that routine. No, they absolutely. Here's our toilet roll. They loved it. They're so amazing that when we came back, so we were told basically that we're stuck in Australia, this is when we were doing when I was doing the job, that we were stuck in Australia and that we wouldn't be able to get back, that we're on a waiting list for two flights, but it's unlikely. We found out at 8.30 that morning, I got a call saying there is a flight at 4.30 this afternoon if you want it. 
their economy tickets, there's two of you, um, do you want to take them? And we're like, uh, 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 and we're still sleep-deprived parents, like I'm still breastfeeding at that point. Sure. We decided to do it because um, we'd had some family illness too uh, back in the UK. So we're like, okay, let's just do it. So we had to pack down a three-bedroom house that we'd been intending to stay in for four months with a baby. So there's yeah. cots, there's like <laughs> formula machines, there's just like everything. It was a nightmare. Um, I feel like this was going, oh, yeah, that's right. I was, I was like, hang on, I've lost my train of thought here. <laughs> we got back and Chris's parents had come over. They had cleaned the house and just filled the fridge for us. Oh. They're angels. They're absolute <laughs> angels. Well, you're lucky. I hate my in-laws. I'm joking. They're fantastic. So, um, <laughs> I was trying to work out. See, my daughter last year uh, – looked at me and went, you're going to be the next person in this family to die. Uh, and in a very scary and spooky little five-year-old, six-year-old girl oh voice. Oh, my God. Uh, and then I got ill. And so now I'm kind of hoping that somebody else in my family dies <laughs> to break the curse. And I was trying to work out who who, I, who out would of all the people in my family. Yeah, who who should go. Yeah, yeah. But then I can, if it happens, uh, the minute it happens, I can go to my daughter, you were wrong. And that Bad will be luck. worth you it. You tried to curse yeah. me. Sucked and... in. Sucked in. <laughs> oh, is it, is it one? Okay, so I was working on um, a, like this little sketch a couple of weeks ago and I'm telling someone else a story. I hope they think they're okay with it. But we were talking about the weird uh, like premonition things that three and four year olds say. They say yeah. stuff that you're like, "Ugh, why do you know that? That's not cool." And apparently, her brother and sister cried every time they saw a plane. They were twins. Yeah. Um. Every time they saw, this is not my story. We might need to cut this out. <laughs> have it. Okay. For- it's going out live. I have to tell you that. Oh, right sure, now. sure. Yeah, but that's apart, fair. But apart from that, apart okay. from the thousands of people that are watching, <laughs> we'll cut this bit out. Um, okay. that they used to cry ever since they were babies every time they saw a plane. And then when they got old enough to speak, they said, why don't you like planes? And they said, we used to be husband and wife and we both died in a plane crash. Yeah. They're, they're, there's You do, but you get so much stuff like that. Adoption, straight to adoption. Those <laughs> kids, they stay somewhere else now. My son said something like, I was down this this one, I'm trying to think of what he said, but it was something like, um, my name is Madame and I live in the fireplace. <laughs> that doesn't sound sort of, quite like was, the same he thing. He was sort of sitting, but it felt like, you know, he's been talking to some, <laughs> it wasn't Madame, it was something like that, but something old timey. That's funny. From the past that he's been talking to some ghost. And he, he, he used to always talk about ghosts going into his this fake cupboard. Well, there's a fake doorway that, that's been really? boarded up. And he was quite, he's quite obsessed with it. Uh, and so he's sort of obsessed with things going in out of that. But I think it's largely their imagination. That's a good one, though. That's a good one, isn't well, it? It's a good one. But they do, you know, they have an imagination. You know, my daughter probably can't see the future. But, you know, if I do die. I'll be hitting her up next. for some lottery numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but maybe she can only, I don't know if she made it happen or whether she just can see yeah, the sure. future. Well, we had one so. of those in our family. We have one of right. those woo things yeah um where my great grandmother uh she was living in a communal house during the war and 
that and she said to this another woman that was living there, just don't take the eggs. I need them for my daughter. Don't take the eggs. And she took some of the eggs. And my great grandma said to my grandma, I hope she gets a letter, like basically saying, and there was something okay. to do with a shadow. I don't know what it was. But anyway, she got a letter. Right. Now, when my grandma was on a, my grandma was writing a letter to my great grandma who used to work on ships, on cruise ships. And while she was writing the letter, it was as if someone walked past the candle and her mum died that night. Right. And then a couple of weeks after grandma told me that, I was babysitting for someone else and I thought that I saw a shadow in the other room and then someone else that I babysat for died that night wow. or that weekend. It's probably nothing, but it was enough for me to go, Ugh. I mean, you, there are a lot of shadows. Around. I mean, you know, it's shadows are common. Sh- they're common. Yeah. <laughs> As if it's every shadow but you see. You've got to remember, this is back in the in the nineties. They weren't as many shadows back then. I mean, now, That's true. left, right, and center, you got shadows everywhere. Yeah, it's a lot spooky. more sun. Climate change. It's a spooky, spooky stuff. I mean, one of my. I was going to ask if you've ever seen a ghost. I think that probably that sort sort of a ghost, isn't it? Yeah. Look, I don't know what I believe. I'm an yeah. I'm an agnostic. I am spiritual, not religious. I used to be religious. I asked to be religious. I became a Catholic when I was 11. Okay. And I asked my mum if I could become a Catholic. No, I was nine. My sister had to become a Catholic because she was going to a Catholic high school and she was like, whatever, like her confirmation name is Ignatius. She was really taking the piss. And she was going through a confirmation. I'm like, mum, I want to get in on this. And she's like, you don't have to. You're not going to that school. I'm like. I know. I read the pamphlet. I like what they have to offer. A bit of structure in this dysfunctional family. Um, <laughs> and so I became a Catholic when I was nine. Wow. Mm. I mean, that's a hardcore choice out of all the. Yeah. If you're not being, if you're not being indoctrinated, it's quite rare, isn't it? To very choose. rare. Because most people just go along with whatever their parents say or reject all of it. Yeah. Hardly anyone just goes, oh, you know, I know you're Buddhist, but I'm yeah. going to be a Protestant. Well, Dad was Dad was Catholic but okay. was not like, you know, he's one of six. That's what I mean by Catholic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's one- did, you go to, did you go to church and did you, did you take yourself to church to, every week or did you just? Once I became you, a Catholic. Once you became a Catholic, did you have to go to church? Well, our local church was just ang- like a Church of England or an Anglican right. church, so I just went there. I couldn't yeah. get upgraded to, you know, there wasn't yeah. the, there wasn't a cathedral around. Um, yeah. I don't even know if there's a cathedral on the Central Coast. I'm sure there is, but there's anyway. Um, so I started going there, and then as I got older, I realised that my beliefs weren't really aligned to Catholicism and the Pope and what he had to say. I'm like. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna downgrade myself. So I was just a Christian then. Okay. Um, so I used to go to this uh, like Sunday nights. They had a cool youth band, of course, obviously. And my auntie's now husband was in the band, and okay. um, I was just really into God, just really into the spirit. Yeah, I mean that's because I was thought the opposite. I was brought up as a Christian, and probably about the age of eight or nine, sort of went, "This is nonsense," and kind of really rebelled against it. While yeah. still, it's very hard to shake it off once you've got into that. Mm. Um, 
when you were going to Anglican Church as a Catholic and when you came to get the Eucharist, were you going to the, the vicar going, I think this really is the body of Jesus, actually. So I'm, I, when I'm having this, this is turning into the body and blood of Jesus. I just want you to know, literally, I just want you to know that. I just, I need you to know <laughs> that you're wrong. I'll still eat it. I get it, but. Yeah, so so how, when, did, I mean, you're, so now you're not religious. No. What was the ter- What was the turning point away from religion? You obviously. Um. I realized when I was about like, I actually, <laughs> this is, I've had quite a life, Richard. I, yeah, I know. I was engaged to someone who was a Christian and okay. also a heroin addict. Okay. Um, we were together for a very long time. Um, but he he really believed in Christianity. And I, I, saw, I was sort of like in my early 20s going, what if, what happens if I'm, like not a Christian, and he was like, well, as long as you believe that Jesus died for our sins, then you'll be fine, like you won't go to hell. He really thought that he was going to hell, um, yeah. which like each to their own and everyone, you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful of people's religion because it's uh, very sacred to lots of people and very useful to lots of people. The institutions themselves have created a lot of damage around the world and I think that, you know, people can constructively say both of those things. Oh, it's saying my internet connection is unstable. It was a bit unstable, but, you know, we'll, we'll work our way through. It's, it's that gone. That gives an, a little bit of jeopardy. Yeah, well, there you go. That's this going, what are you going to say? What are you? This, this, this happened. The only other time we've lost someone on this podcast was when we were talking about ghosts, I think, and then it went, then it went off. There was like the whole thing went off and we had to start again. What if a shadow so, goes you know, behind me? So, yeah, fuck. Yeah. If you see a shadow now, let me know. I will. <laughs> If you, I don't need a double double whammy. <laughs> My own family and your family conspired oh, against me. Funny. Uh, so, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go. I don't want to go yet. I don't want to go. More, we haven't I've even got, got through more, the interview yet. I've got more knob jokes Wait, in me. Good for you. <laughs> keep on keeping on, mate. I will keep on. Um, um, yet, so yeah, so you were engaged. I was. I, to a, I was engaged. To, was did did the heroin boyfriend think that the heroin was part some part of extra part of the Eucharist was Jesus's plasma or something? He was we injecting? didn't really talk about how no. the two inter <laughs> yeah played. Yeah, um, he was eight years older than me, so okay. I assumed that he knew what was going on. Um, didn't. Um, no. uh, so then, when I left him. I became a part of a, uh, a self-help group, which I'm now still involved in, um, and that it's a it's a spiritual program. It's not a religious program, and it was like I had to. Their the theory of their spirituality was: you just have to believe that there's a bigger energy than you, that you are not the biggest energy or spirit on the planet. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can believe that. Like electricity yeah. is bigger than me. There's a nuclear power station that's, that's bigger exactly. than me. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I plugged in something that had water on it, I'd get zapped and die. That's bigger mm-hmm. than me. Yeah. More powerful than me. So that that's the, sort of the only prerequisite. And it's not, well, not even a prerequisite because there are lots of people that are involved in the group that are, that are still um, atheists. 
Um, but I always had a, like, I always had a real, I did not expect us to be talking about spirituality. Well, let's talk about anything. We can. I'm, I'm fascinated by stuff like this. Yeah. So uh, this, it's all good. So I always just had a big, like a big internal yearning and it was, there's only like, um, I remember when I went to the UK for the first time when I was 19, I was actually probably 18. I wasn't yet 19 and I came over here for Glastonbury and after Glastonbury, I went camping by myself and then I went down to Land's End and I remember sitting on like the cliff edge and I felt like a whole person. I didn't feel like I was looking for anything or I didn't feel like I was trying to impress any. I just felt like still and complete and the right size and I was like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. This is like whatever this is. And so at the time I called that Christianity but it wasn't. Um, sure. it was It was a spirituality that I still... I don't always feel like that and I try to do things, you know, like I say that I meditate. I have not meditated for weeks. But when I do and I get back to, I I suppose the easiest way to describe it is sometimes I feel like I'm trying to run faster than my natural rhythm and sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm trying to catch up to my natural rhythm and then when I feel like I am like connected to whatever that is, I feel like I'm making good decisions. I'm slower. I'm content, not necessarily happy, but I'm content. And I've made a lot of really big decisions in my life based on an intuition that sounded crazy at the time. And stand-up was one of them. Stand-up was something that um, was like a dumb idea that I promised myself I was never going to do because I was an actor um, I was like, I'm absolutely, and then I did a sketch show. Um, so that was all characters as well. I thought, oh, there's no way that I can be myself. That's, there's nothing funny about that. Um, and I'm not funny enough. And, uh, my family at the time would agree with you. Um, <laughs> so I was a, I'd been a tour manager and a production manager and uh, operating manager for this um, a comic called Heath Franklin who plays a character called Chopper and we'd done two tours around Australia and he was incredibly successful and I was just like lost and I just I'd left that fiance and stopped drinking and I was like living with my mum and I just didn't know where I was or what I was doing and I'd somehow made it onto Adam Hills's um, uh music quiz show in Australia it's called Spicks and Specs just to explain that is a BG song that is not <laughs> the racial racial slur although to be fair in Australia you could be yeah easily I think mistaken. it's come up before as uh, other Australian people's best known at best known for us being on Spicks and Specs so I yeah. picked that up a few times yes well because it sounds funny you know you Australians it's a BG your- song well, Blame the Bee Gees, mate. They were, aren't they from Manchester they're, originally? They're from. Uh, they lived in Australia long enough to be tainted. Oh. With the... <laughs> tainted. <laughs> You're an awful man. <laughs> so, um, I, his wife, Ali McGregor. This is this is the very long story of how I got into um, to stand up. She said, hey, I've seen you on Spicks and Specs. I'm doing this variety night during the Melbourne Comedy Free- uh, Comedy Festival. Do you want to do something? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. She's like, it doesn't have to be stand-up. And I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I'm not doing stand-up. 
anyway, we got to halfway during the comedy festival and I'd been, you know, stage managing and like merch table and it was off my head. I was just like, I was crazy. I was so crazy. I didn't know where I was in my life. I was sober for the first time and I was single for the first time and I was a tour manager and it just wasn't, I had nothing, I had no, I wasn't grounded or rooted anywhere or to anything and got halfway through the festival and she said, hey, I've only got one slot left on the last night. Do you want to come and do something? And I said, yes. And I just said it. I didn't know what I was going to do. And um, then I had this idea that involved these little toy tanks that sent infrared electric shocks into the handset. And the gig was on the Sunday and they arrived on the Friday while I was on the phone and I was in an apartment. So I buzzed the postie up and then I hung up ages later. It was a long phone call. And I went out and the, the tanks weren't outside. And I thought, oh, I must have left them downstairs, went downstairs and someone had taken them. I still to this day don't know who taken them, Yeah. but my gig was, um, 12 minutes long. Yeah. The ne- uh, in 48 hours. Okay. So I just had to write something. And fortunately, because of my sketch days, I'd always taken notes of things that were funny and I always kept a little book with me. And um, before I went on stage, I I said to myself, like I've, I've said this many, many times before, but I said, I may as well have fun because I will kill myself after this because this is the worst idea I've ever had. I felt like right. I felt sick. I felt sick. And then I went out with this like kamikaze attitude and about two minutes in I just went, oh, this is it. This is it. like pack it up. This is it. And then I just started uh, the next time I was down doing Spicks and Specs, I went and met up with an agent and I walked out of that agency and I said to mum, because mum came down with me that time, I said, I'm going to go with that agent and I'm going to move to Melbourne and I'm going to do stand-up. And then we got back to mum's house and there was a voicemail like a, a message on her mess answering machine from the floor manager or the, the producer of Spicks and Specs. And he said, hey, we're doing a pilot program for a radio sketch show. It's going to be Melbourne-based. It's just for two months. Um, I really think you'd be a great host, but we need someone who's Melbourne-based. And I called him back and I said, I'll be moving to Melbourne in the next three weeks. And he said, it starts in four. And I just nice. moved state and started stand-up, and I've never had another job since. Amazing. And so that's where all that, like, that weird spiritual stuff, I just sort of was like, I don't know why this is the right decision. I don't know why I'm doing this, except I know that it's the right thing to do, that you, sure. you can't explain it to other people. It's, I mean, you know, but I think it is one of those things. Most people wouldn't want to do that, the job. Most people would feel like you did before you went on. <laughs> Yeah, and then and feel like that when they were on, and then think I never want to do that ever again. Yeah. So I think if you go on and you feel that, you know, there's something that makes you want to do it. You know, especially, I mean, it sounds like you had a good experience there. But if you, you know, if you go on and you have a terrible experience early on, and you still want to do it, there's something bigger than the yeah. the job inside you that needs, if it's just showing off or if it's just something else a little bit, you know, that 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 pushes towards that job. But it's it's sort of interesting to hear the way people become comedians and mm. you know like and and something like that i'm trying to think who else that maybe it's sindhu v who sort of just made that kind of late switch and just went yeah. for it and was bang yeah. straight away was great um 
but yeah, sort of interesting just to ha- for it to happen by chance, and for you to then turn out to be such an accomplished, award-winning, you know, multi-award nominated, multi-award winning stand-up is just you know obviously 50, you know, it takes a few a few years to get to that stage, but it's uh, you know it's it's sort of crazy that it's all just on a. Yeah, well, on the almost a spin of a wheel, or a it's a spin of a, of a wheel. But the, the, the yeah. thing about it is, like people who start out in stand up haven't had any stage experience. I'd been doing plays sure. since I yeah, was, yeah. you know, like sixteen or whatever. And even though they're completely, completely different crafts, and almost none of it translates, you, it's the ten thousand hours thing. Like I, d- I don't walk out on stage and go, God, that light's bright. No. I know how to feel. I, I I knew as soon as I started. I'm like, oh, that's the center of the light. Oh, I know how to use a microphone. I know what sure. foldback does. So it wasn't this like, it wasn't an alien environment. No, and, and that's really important. I think like it, you, an audience picks up so much on stuff like that. Yeah, that, that might even unconsciously if they yeah. see. Yeah. So because I saw. Um, I think I've talked about this before a few times, but I saw uh, when I did the Melbourne Comedy Festival the last time in about 2007, Frank, it was Frank Skinner was on a show with me and he was literally just returned to comedy mm. for after after quite a long time away. Uh, and obviously the audience in Mel, uh, in Montreal, it was in Montreal, if I said Melbourne, mm. in, in the Montreal Festival, um, the audience in Montreal didn't know who he was. Mm. Uh, and he was like, it was like watching an open spot, you know, like he was going around, he was sort of commenting about things on the, he was getting distracted by things on the floor mm-hmm. of the stage that the audience couldn't see. And within like weeks, I saw him again a few weeks later and he was back to being the amazing Frank Skinner. But, you know, if you, if the audience senses it and then the audience, then the act senses that the audience is losing the audience yeah. and it's this awful kind of spiral. So, yeah, I think that a lot of stand up is A, wanting to do it and B, having the confidence to appear like you're in control of the stage so i think that's 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 interesting that you would be able to kind of make that yeah uh leap so quickly but yeah i mean then though you know equally if it had gone very badly i wouldn't be talking exactly. to you now <laughs> <laughs> so there must there must be another felicity ward who made the same decision yeah there's certainly another universe well, uh and th- died in melbourne in the gutter i also like i also was i was very successful or got a lot of attention very very early on because I when I was older like I mean I was 28 which isn't old but it's old for stand-up these days you know back then even people weren't starting stand-up at at, uh, 28 Um, and it was like for the first year I just thought I've stopped drinking I had to live with my mum I left my fiance. I don't give a shit if someone doesn't laugh at me. Like I've got bigger fish to fry. My life has been hard. This yeah. is fine. And then, you know, like so I had this confidence and I didn't have my writing did not match my confidence. Not at all. <laughs> and I went on to like some panel shows and they were like, look, these are going to be some of the questions. I'm like, it'll be fine. Just went on panel shows where they you're expected to write and I just winged it. Sure. And I was like, not bad, but not not good. Not like, yeah, zinger. <laughs> I yeah, it, yeah. But I think that's a, but that's also also almost a good instinct. I I was similar to that, and often did badly on those things <laughs> as a result. <laughs> but you know, I think that's the instinct of of feeling like I want to 
be myself. You know, I don't want to take your questions on that. I don't want to know what's coming. Yeah, that's a good instinct. And then, but but really, it takes like another ten years. Yeah. Of, of doing your stuff to get to that point you go yeah i can just wing i can wing this i can just chat for which you know now you can chat yeah oh, thank you, you thank chat. you so much I could and i'm delighted i could have chatted then i just didn't have that many i didn't know how to be my funniest <laughs> no. self you know i, I no, don't know, even know you know when they're like it takes five years to find your voice and it takes 10 years to be good and i'm like I say that and then I get here i'm like do i i feel like i knew more of my voice when i just started but again, that's probably right. arrogance rather than. <laughs> but sometimes that does happen, uh, and if Peter Kay's autobiography is to be believed, it happened to him. So yeah. he was just always good and never and never had bad gigs, and everyone loved good him. Good for stuff. him. <laughs> it's not a very interesting read. I'd rather, I'd rather read <laughs> read a comedian who died a few times because that's more interesting. But but I think that also coming to it a bit later because I started, you know straight out of university I was young as well mm. and ha- and I've got you know you've got some life experience which you've obviously used in your stand-up shows anyway so your like your actual hour shows have been about you know the big moments in yeah. your life about like making decisions to leave fiancés and uh talking about ang- you know your anxiety and yeah. mental illness and and all those sort of things as well so I think once you're a bit older also you're you're able I can't imagine what I did as a 22 year old trying to entertain proper adults in the pub i mean i can vaguely remember some of it but i can't imagine what made me think anyone would be yeah. interested well you were Whereas- in your 20s you didn't think you knew that people would be interested in you because yeah. you have this like you have this cocksuredness because you haven't been burnt enough i guess i guess yeah yeah you know but then you know as in comedian terms it's it's good to have had have been burnt and to have yeah. had that you know in order to become a a, a, a good comedian i think um so when I, which I first started i was like my the, the person who i was working for when i was a tour manager when i became a comedian i opened for heath franklin who was doing chopper they did like we're doing little state tours like tours of new south wales in australia now if you don't know do you know the movie Chopper? Have you heard of the movie Chopper? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, but I know I know who you're talking about, yeah. So Eric Banner plays this guy Chopper who is a yeah. real-life Australian gangster who died probably five years ago now, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and it's a really it's a really funny movie. It's an amazing movie. But my friend Heath um, used to do impressions of basically Eric Banner's Chopper right. at university and call Bingo, right? Right. Um, and then make jokes about things. It was really funny. But uh, by the time he was like, we, so when we did the sketch show together, he did Chopper on that and he became like, he was one of the first viral YouTube hits, um, right. like for what viral was back then um, because we are old enough, if any, there's any young listeners, I was doing a TV show and YouTube was invented. <laughs> Isn't that awful? I know. I look 24. You're like, what? You're kidding me. You were born in this millennium. Um, <laughs> I know you're not. I can feel your judgment. Uh, so what happened is when I started stand-up is my producer then said, do you want to open for Heath? <laughs> now, Heath was attracting bikers. Like there were people who were really gangsters who would come and see Heath perform as Chopper. And they were like big burly dudes. They were, all had moustaches. That they, they were like not all of them were rough. And the thing about Heath is he's incredibly smart. So his jokes sound 
like they're just pub jokes, but they're really nuanced and he's so sharp. So I'd, I was starting and I'd wear like these 1950s pencil skirts and like a little bolero and some high heels and I'd go out to these rough as fuck crowds and they just start heckling me. So I had just had to become really good at being able to handle hecklers. I think I had a five-minute open spot, like opening for him just five minutes one night and the show went on like 45 minutes late because the guy before <laughs> ran over. So right. I got out there, I said two words and someone heckled me and we had a chat and then I said two more words and someone else heckled me and I said, do you know what, I haven't got long enough to do a routine so just yell shit out and we'll just sort this out. And so I just spent the <laughs> five minutes speaking to hecklers and yeah. so I don't I don't really mind hecklers no. particularly. I, I usually come at them with a, a warm heart because I'm a, a, I'm a people person I like people. Um, but I have the training now to incinerate them if they if they're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, well, you've but Ooh, you've supported like me? a lot of a lot of um, big names, though, right? So you've you've supported uh, Catherine Ryan and Maria Bamford. Yeah, Amy Schumer. Yeah, I mean, is that is is there? I, when you're going, I mean, this is obviously a little a little while ago, but you're obviously playing big, big venues there, which I've never, I've never done those bigger venues where you're playing to well uh, over sort of two thousand people. Maria is that Maria was Leicester Square. Was it okay? So right. she did five shows in like three days or something, but they're right. some of my favourite gigs of all time because she'd never been to London before. And it was genuinely like I was Santa's little helper and I was one of the elves and I was about to bring Santa Claus out. Everyone, I'd never seen a London audience like that. Every single night <sighs> they were like, ah! and she is, you know, after I did my first gig, that gig at um, Ali McGregor's, uh, I think it was Hilsey that said to me, he said, have you ever heard of Maria Bamford? And I said, I've heard of her. He's like, you should look her stuff up. So I went on YouTube and, you know, on my dial-up internet, um, and I watched nearly everything that was available of hers and went, oh, there's no point in doing comedy because everything I didn't even know I wanted to do has been done by this woman. Sure. Um, so then to get to open for her 10 years later was just like, fucking come on, come on. <laughs> Catherine was the same thing. That was the same year, and Amy was the same as well, but Amy did secret yeah. shows at Soho, so um, at Soho Theatre. So that that was a small audience too that was like oh, 120 right. people but Catherine's shows were unreal because i was one cuz i was an established comic when i was opening for her but um two they're an audience that have come to see a woman that's got a bit of a filthy mouth and has a bit of an edge to some of her jokes so i'm like this is going to be like easy Sure. This is like the people I wish would come to my gigs. But was it easy? To, was I mean, if you go with that attitude, I, I suppose it is. But it, you know, it's it's got to be. You know, I saw Amy Schumer at uh, the O2, I think. Mm. Uh, which I don't believe you were. No, <laughs> I think you supported her. No, there. no, no. But I was. She, her brother supported her playing some music for a, quite a long time, nah. and it was experimental nah. jazz or something. And I was fucking furious yeah. about it because I'd rather just I'd rather have had a shorter show and just not had to sit through that. Yeah, bit, you know. Yeah, I understand that. Um, 
So, you know, you've got when you've got several thousand people who've come to see someone else and then something comes on that they're not necessarily expecting to see, that's that feels like quite a difficult You just job make to a do. joke of like every time yeah. I went, Oh my god, aren't you disappointed that it's not Catherine yet? <laughs> every night and they're like, Yeah. I'm like, You never heard of me. You don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> but it was like I it was it, that was the year that I felt like I was really um coming into my straight stand-up, like my straight stand-up stuff was good. Like my Edinburgh shows, had, I felt like something changed a couple of years before that with Edinburgh where I felt like I found my groove there. Um, but I felt really confident that year. I felt really good, just really happy and excited. What I started doing is I started acting richer than I was and what I started doing is I cut my gigs back to I couldn't gig more than three nights a week because I kept burning out and I was I was working like I'd just arrived in London and couldn't pay rent and that was not the situation. So I thought, uh, you know, for my relationship as well, I had to, and for my sanity, I had to cut back. And so what it meant was I was just picking gigs that I loved and gigs that are well paid. And then when the twain shall meet, um, <laughs> it was like it was – I. It, because I wasn't doing it every night, I'd go out and go, whoa, what's this going to be like? Oh, you know, oh, it's not my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's going to be, you know, I, I, I don't really have that. Personally, I don't have anything I can, re- I guess all I've got is going out and doing sometimes charity gigs in, uh, you know, yeah. somewhere like Hamster's Apollo, where, you know, I know that it's not my audience. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it is still exciting. I get that. And you still, you know, it's also exciting when you're, when you nail it, but it's still not quite the same because you know they know they're coming to see a load of comedians. They might, you might not be the one that's yeah attracted them in, but they're you know they're up for it. they're up for, at a charity gig. They're generally yeah, nice. charity gigs are great. <laughs> uh, look, but that's when I did live at the Apollo, I I got thrown. So that was the same year. All of that happened. Like yeah. Maria and Amy and Catherine and Edinburgh nomination and. And roast battle all happened. It was like a succession of things that happened. And so by the time Apollo came around, I'm like, I'm so ready. I've never been more ready for this. And then came out and like did a couple of jokes. And it was the first, what is it? Is that three and a half thousand or something? Uh, and it's it might not be quite that many. I think it might, I think it's a bit less than that, but it's, yeah, it might be. It might Let's be. Let's say it's 3,000. Right? Yeah, yeah. You can have 500 people start a round of applause. And there's still two and a half thousand people <laughs> that are not starting a round of applause. So yeah. my ins- my like I just went, oh no, there's not enough people. So I like motored over it, and I should have just waited and just yeah. let it spread. But yeah. it, from that moment on, it just I just felt like I was fumbling, and it's the it was the the one of the only times. Great timing uh, that year <laughs> that I just like I just didn't feel like I got control of the room. Oh, you don't notice watching. I watched that one t- today, and you, you, it come, the thing is, it comes a, on the TV. That sort of even the ones where people have, you know, I think it was at Nick Helm or someone mm. who supposedly sort of died on it because everything was people. It was an overrun. Everything was leaving. But you watch it, and you can't really no. tell. Even as a comedian, you can't really tell it's not going well. But it is interesting. It's the interesting when you have got those big audiences yeah. where it's where it is. You know, you, the the laughter going through the audience in like a, a literal kind of wave of laughter yeah. is just an ex- extraordinary thing to experience. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, and uh, having yeah, the nuts to stop and wait because yeah. you know it's you have good. To wait. Like yeah. that's 
because if it doesn't come, that's a lot of people going, what, she's <laughs> she forgotten the lines? Anyway, let me ask you some emergency oh, questions. Quick. We're doing, look, bloody hell. Did I lie? We've done, we've done, Did I bloody We've done lie? an hour already and I've just, it feels like we've just started. So uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of my new emergency questions. Let me see what they are. Um, would you rather have the ability to produce honey uh, from your stomach? So I'll, it would, I'll, I'll quantify that later. Mm-hmm. Or be able to, to be able to make a pearl in your gallbladder every 10 years. You would have a special honey stomach and then sick the honey up through your mouth, uh-huh. producing 10 kilograms of honey per year, which you could eat or sell to unsuspecting members of the public. Each pearl would be worth eight thousand American dollars, mm. but you would have to pass it with your urine via your urethra to get sure. it out. Sure, sure, sure. Would sure. you rather have the honey or the the the, the ten kilograms of honey every year, or an eight thousand pound dollar pearl dollar pearl every ten years? Do you know even with the money included, yeah, I automatically want the honey, but I just <laughs> think it, I think it would be more unpleasant to regurgitate honey than it would be to pass a pearl out of my urethra. It would be a special honey stomach. I, the, the honey would have to come up. I don't think it would – it wouldn't be quite like being sick. It would be like being a bee. Yeah, um, I don't have any experience of that to draw from, though. No. That's the – But, you know, you would get – wouldn't that be nice to have um, – you know, like sometimes when you're sick, that's not a pleasant taste. But if you've eaten something sweet just before you're sick, the sick coming up can still be quite. It can be an orange or something. It can be quite nice on the way up. An orange is very acidic. You've chosen a terrible. I have terrible chosen the wrong thing. Example. It would only an add orange. to the acid, actually. <laughs> but if you know, every morning you just. I mean, it wouldn't be much. It would be like a quarter of a, a tub of no honey. I don't know if you've ever been dumped by a wave and you get seawater up your nose. That's a nightmare, yeah. mate. Yeah. And I just that's like that's a similar. Area where but honey's not salty, honey's sweet. Oh, it's so beautiful, it be... but it's your peristalsis yeah. helps move things yeah. down, it doesn't want to move things up. No, yeah, I'm gonna. So, you're saying you don't want the honey, so you're passing the pearl through your I'm gonna bladder. piss out a pearl, thanks, Richard. Yeah, <laughs> okay, and you can sell it, or you could just make a necklace of them. It would be, it would take, I'd sell it, yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, like you, pearls. You'd, you'd, you'd have to wait sort of 80 years to make a to make a necklace of eight pearls. Would it be worth be 80 it? Then. I don't think it'd be worth it. Be ugly okay, good. and covered in urine. <laughs> but, you know, you could wipe that off. That's true. I mean, and you just don't tell people. I think it would come out exactly like the honey, I just want to say, you know, it would come out of your mouth. I would but... I would quicker throw up a pearl than bring up a small amount of honey every day. If I had to throw up a pearl, fine. Yeah. No, but throwing it everywhere. If I could throw up a pearl, I'd be throwing up pearls now. <laughs> If I could do that, if I could shit diamonds, I'd be shitting diamonds. I wouldn't be talking to you. That's, that would be a stupid question. Would you like to throw out pearls? Yes. Yeah. But honey, we've had an interesting conversation about haven't it. Haven't we? Um, haven't we? Would you rather be the most beautiful person in the world or the cleverest person in the world? But if you choose cleverness, your current attractiveness will decrease by 25%. If you choose beauty, you'll become 25% less intelligent than you currently are. Clever. Yeah. Yeah. Beauty fades, mate. It does, but, you know, clever people are dicks. No. I'd love to be smarter than I am. I'm a dumb shit. <laughs> but also, yeah, beauty fades, but for the 10 years you've got beauty. <laughs> well, the years that I can are, be on TV are, are behind me anyway. Those, those 10 years, 
would be. And, you know, and it might last forever. It says the most beautiful person in the world. You might just be the most beautiful person in the world until you die. No, because if you're the most beautiful person in the world, it's an external thing. So you will always constantly get people looking at you, commenting on that. If you're the smartest person in the world, that's something that you can disclose at your um, yeah. at your of your volition, own volition. You're in control of it. So yeah, clever. So, do you think by being the cleverest person in the world, right? You're literally clever than everyone else. So a lot of people aren't going to, unless it's just everyone agrees. Felicity's so clever that we have to say what she thinks is right. If you're so clever, the people, everyone under you, everyone else you talk to won't understand what you're saying or doing. No, because... So wouldn't, I, it, be, wouldn't it be the most lonely position in the world? Uh, that, but not because of... Because if you're the most clever person in the world, then you know how to communicate your ideas in a way that other people understand them. Nah, Having said that, true. if you're the most clever person in the world, that's incredibly lonely. And you, it might be like, you know, those old people that all their friends die and they're just yeah. there, they're like, well, I've got a long life, but I've got no meaningful relationships. See? Maybe it would be the same thing. Yeah, whereas if you're beautiful, there's just, you know, you've got dicks coming at you from every angle <laughs> or you know, whatever you prefer, vaginas, if you like. Whatever, whatever's going. <laughs> whatever. Lockdown's been Animals. long. <laughs> so it won't, you won't be lonely if you're beautiful. I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to be, like, beautiful for a day. You know, I'm not bad looking. You're all right. I'm all right, but I'd like to be. I'd like to, you know, in uh, Thirty Rock when uh, they have um, no, Don Draper on it, and uh, and he's just he's really stupid, but he's really beautiful, and he and he gets everything he wants. I would just like to be. For a day. I'd like to be Don Draper for a day. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how people treated me if I was very beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you know. You're, you must already get it a lot, Felicity. That is very it, nice of you. Ramp, but it, no. ramp it up even. <laughs> I, I was a very, very ugly teenager. Well, you a, had a show about yeah, being an ugly child. It was called child. Ugly as a Child. That was my first show ever because <laughs> that was the truth. And I always had like a big nose. My teeth have broken again because yeah. I can see, I don't know if you can see, that they used to come out to there. They've broken in lockdown. Um, right. I got these done when I was 14. Uh, but prior to that, all of these teeth and these teeth, see, they're pointy yeah. and my molars are pointy too, so I had these little rat teeth and I had a very big nose for a teenager and I felt very insecure. But yeah. I also believe that um, you become more beautiful uh, knowing how to, when you try to make yourself an image of beauty that other people have, uh then you're going to make yourself look ugly. Sure. It's about making yourself look as as the best version of yourself rather than look like someone else. Well, it's the same thing as being a stand-up. Yes. And, and, and it, often, it often interlocks on those, yes. those particular things. But it is, the, it's a, it is confidence. Personally, I, I've always liked... Uh, a woman with a substantial nose, I have to say. Really, I think it's. I think it's a very. I don't. I think. I find. Are you flirting with I me, Richard? Very, My husband's in I'm the not, next I room. Find, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just. We're both married, and we're both taken. We're both um, tired. I've always, Who we're, has we're time both, for an affair? How exhausting! I mean, I remember. At the eighteen month point where you are, I was, you know, I think that was, I was just lit. I would literally, if my wife had managed to have an affair, I would have stood up and applauded. Yeah, good her. work, babe. I would absolutely be going. It's absolutely fine, and yeah. I don't know how you did it, yeah. but well done. I knew you were uh, amazing when you gave birth, and look at you now. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, so I mean, but also that's the thing is that images of what's beautiful are, are different. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, I think a character, a characterful face well, is much more I- attractive than a, than a sort of symmetrical, uh, you know, Hollywood pretty face, I think. It's also like, because I, was, I wrote an article about this years ago, if you're an ugly teenager, you really work on your hobbies. Yes. You really become an interesting person because you're like quirky yeah. and weird. You're like, okay, I don't do short skirts. I don't wear makeup. Um, I like I, I was in a band and I um, like I wrote a lot of poetry and I swam and I lived in the bush and like I I had lots of interesting things and I had lots of opinions and I was really into music and so by the time I like grew a woman's body and then by the time my brain and my heart and my uh, spirit, I suppose I want to say, like the person that I am, all the things that makes me me, when they all lined up, I'm like, oh, this is heaps better. Like if I was pretty in high school, I I would get out of high school and go, how come, how come I can only get drinks at the bar but I can't get a job, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true. But you know, I've but for me, being funny as well as the is you know the most oh. for friends or partners or whatever. I I don't want to be around people who aren't funny. So I can't, yeah. I, I don't understand. You know, there's the, I, I guess some men are threatened by a, a funny woman, yeah, but it seems <laughs> but it seems like ridiculously old fashioned and 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 sort of self defeating. Because why would you want to? I really, I'd really. Can't. Understand that yeah. I'd much rather be. I think I am with a woman who's funnier than I am. So, but uh, you know, it's it's a really it's, Australian thing too. Like I was single yeah. for years in Australia, and then it, also there's like these. I remember coming to London and going to a bar. It was the first time I'd moved here, and I went into a bar and I was wearing trainers, and I was with someone who was wearing high heels. And if I was in Australia where I grew up, if you're wearing high heels. No one's talking to the girl in the trainers, no one. And I started talking to this guy at the bar and I'm like, oh, I'm visible. I'm visible even with trainers on. Like yeah. it just all of a sudden the, like guys were uh, up for, I don't know, like mouthy women. It was, yeah. it was a yeah. really pleasant surprise. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad that's. I'm glad that is. That's the case. I'm glad the UK did better with that. It just seems. So, you know, I just. It just seems weird to me that you'd want to be with someone who wasn't entertaining. I don't. You know? Why? You know, that's why, why. Why would you want that? And that you can't. You know, bounce off and have fun with. So it's. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's really you get backfired with on my husband. They, really badly. Like he. He thinks I'm great, but over lockdown, he said a couple of very kind things that he wanted to say in a mean way where one day he said it was probably a year ago he said honey I love your animal impressions but could you save 10% of them for your friends and I'll still watch 90% of them every I'm in constant song everything is a song everything like I don't even know that I'm doing it and because we've been indoors for so long it seems even more maniacal now. I don't could just this flow, and then you put it into the fact that you're listening to nursery rhymes all the time, or like whatever your kids listening to. Um, it's I'm insane to watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this it's that I, I guess it puts a relationship to the test. 
both having a baby and all this all the last five six years yeah you know if you can get through having a baby with your partner then that's a that's an amazing achievement if you get through lockdown and still uh care about each other like each other and i think lockdown did for a few relationships yeah um it seems I feel like I've I've come out of both of those things with a stronger relationship than I went into them, uh, and it, wow. it was good beforehand. So if that feels, it feels like it's going to be okay, but not that we don't have our moments. We were very it, tested. We were. Very we have tested. been tested constantly for eighteen we months from every angle, <laughs> and we're tired. Oh man! I mean, I can't. I, I don't know. I'm trying to work out whether if whether it would. Yeah, I can, we had a re- we had a really difficult. With our son, we just thought loads of things were going wrong and yeah. we were living in a building site and all that sort of stuff. It was a very, very stressful yeah. time. But I still think lockdown would have been worse if, to have a baby. Yeah, it was rough. Rough Yeah, as. and especially if, especially if you get COVID and having to look yeah. after your invalided husband yeah. <laughs> and baby at the and same baby. time. That's un- unbelievable. He's just unbelievable. learnt to walk. You're like, oh, cool. I've just got COVID, <laughs> but I'll just chase you around for a bit. Sick. Right, look, I'm gonna we we could do another hour, and I absolutely know we could do another hour. But I'm gonna let you go. I want you to tell me. You obviously do um, the Guilty Feminist podcast quite a lot. There's uh, very lots of podcasts you're on. We can catch up on. Is there anything coming up apart from the live gigs? Are you are you working on a new show? Um, I'm. I've just started. I'm starting on quite an uh, an a very ambitious idea that may come to fruition by next year, but it might even be the year after. But um, okay. obviously I haven't been on stage for 18 months, so if you come and see me, I will probably do stuff that you haven't seen. Um, Good. I'm doing Mock the Week next week. Um, yes, great. The only TV show that will let me on. <laughs> Which... <laughs> well, I've never done Mock the Week. I've never done I – don't, I don't get to do any of the, the – I've never done Live at the Apollo or Mock the Week. But I don't, I don't think they even can think about me doing it. I probably <laughs> – I don't know. I don't, I don't really like Mock the Week. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> I, I was supposed to do it when I was 36 weeks pregnant right. and went, that might be a bit close. And then I was supposed to do it in January and then I got COVID. So this uh, is the yeah. third time I was supposed to do it. Um, I think it's gotten it's got a lot better now. They've uh, brought in a lot more yeah. newer acts, I'm saying, younger and fi- and female comedians and a bit more, uh, uh, you know, a bit more variety. I'm going to be on with the, another with woman. Wow. I've just... I mean, I, that would never have happened. I can't even believe it. Like, even though it's <laughs> happened so many times since I did it the first time, which is years ago, um, when I went on, they just started, like, the last year getting two women on and I was yeah. still on a show that only had one, like, I was the only woman. And just the thrill of being on a TV set where we're all slinging jokes and there's another woman that will go, yeah, that, like that. <laughs> That's, like, what we want to capture is i'm yeah. so excited even if i, I do mean, very gr- badly it's lovely that you're excited but also you know it's just, it's still it's still only two women out of, out of uh, yeah. seven people on the yeah. show so we need to do better than yeah. that but that's you know it's a move in the right direction yeah and there's only one black person as well on the lineup okay. and you're like we there's still some work to do and there's still some look, work to do, the money they're, could they're be better <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I shouldn't be saying this. Fucking hell! If it, this is this is the problem, is now that we've just been on Zoom calls for fourteen months, it doesn't feel like anyone is watching, but they are. 
because it's a they show. Are, they're noting it down. And you are now, all I'm trying to do is make sure that none of the younger comedians ever work again. Yeah, um, that's the idea. Look, oh, can I say one more thing? Yes, please If do. anyone is watching this or listening to this in Australia, there is a TV show on the ABC called Wakefield, and that is the drama series that I was filming last year, and it's out now. Um, it's fully available to stream all eight episodes on iview which is our version of iplayer the australian version um yeah. or you can watch it on the abc on sunday nights at 8 30 and it's amazing no one in australia watches it so oh, it's well, uh... okay <laughs> hey well okay there they will do. be some english people that have some illegal ways but... and means I better say that they do. It's our, I think it's our second most popular really? country after the UK. I think so, yeah. So it's, you know, we do. It would be interesting for me because I haven't gone to Melbourne, the Melbourne Festival since I think 2003, maybe 2002, 2003. And I kind of said, right, I'm not going to go back to the Melbourne Festival uh, unless I'm on TV in Australia because it's not worth it. It's too far yeah. to go to play to hardly any other people. But it'd be interesting to know whether if I went to Australia, whether anyone would come and see me as a result of doing this. Yeah. But don't think I'm prepared to take the chance just yet. But you never know, Australia. Take your time. I'd, lo- I would lo- I'd love to take my family out there. I'd love to. And went to- if the kids are a little bit older, it would be sort of yeah. feasible. It's so I do love Australia. Yeah, I miss it. Despite all the terrible things I've said about yeah. it, I absolutely love it. And Melbourne especially. But, uh, yeah. yeah, good. I'm, well, I'm look- living with a baby that is not paddling at the moment he's not he's not on the shore of an australian beach and that is offensive to me and my upbringing (laughs) right yes it's a hard it's a hard life yeah for them they'll grow up fully english i hope not (laughs) (laughs) i hope he still says thank you to the bus driver (laughs) also to be fair that's just london that's not the uk the rest of the uk is very friendly (laughs) <laughs> right i think we've offended everyone Yay. now between between the two of us we've got everyone it's thanks so much for doing this felicity i hope i see you in real life yeah, very soon it will be catch up. a pleasure to be weird. near someone who's also wary of re-entering life <laughs> um and uh we'll be back next week on the podcast with jackie weaver you have no authority jackie weaver and oh. then nigel Plainer. That's who's coming yeah, up Yeah, so we have a big um, Australian actress called uh, Jackie yes. Weaver. And I remembered that I when found the, that, you have no authority. I found that when I tried to Google Jackie yeah. Weaver to see whether there was enough stuff to talk to her about. And I, it came up with the Australian actress on Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, she's not on Wikipedia. Jack, I'm, our Jackie Weaver is Our there, Jackie but, Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think she's doing a podcast of her own, which I'm going to be on. <gasps> so we're going, to, we're going to do a podcast swap and see how oh that works God, out. Oh, my God, I love it. And Nigel Plainer the week after that. And then we'll be into the Clapham Grand Gigs. We'll be released as podcast. Uh, and uh, I'll let you know if there's any more live stream ones coming up at some point. Anyway, thank you very much. The beautiful, amazing, listening world. Thank you very much. See you next time, everyone. Bye bye. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest. Felicity Ward, thank you to Scantregard for this excellent new theme tune. I miss Pest, but, you know, things have to move on sometimes. I'm indebted to my friend and director and producer, Chris Evans. Not that one, or that one. Come on, get serious. It's the same one every week. Why do you keep asking? I'm also indebted to everyone at ACAS, British Comedy Guide, Ian Tunes and his crew, all that lot. Uh, and everyone who listens and recommends this podcast, please do so if you can. 
Um, thank you also to Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com. This is their production and we should love them for it. Go to GoFasterStripe.com slash badges to become a monthly badger. Get loads of extras plus uh, your money will go to make even more podcasts. You get badges and all sorts of stuff. Or just listen to these podcasts online, as many as you can. We'll get 0.01 pence every time you listen, something like that. So just keep listening. Think of those 0.1 pence, 0.01 pennies flooding in. Thanks, bye.